Welcome everyone to another episode of the Nerdotaku Gaming Podcast. I am Dennis here. I'm with my co-host Robin. Robin, how you been? Hi everyone. I'm doing just fine. Doing great actually. That's awesome. And we have another special guest with us. Um, it's a she's a Twitter mutual of mine. Uh, so I'm very excited to finally get to talk to her. Her name is Jing Tong. She is a Chinese game developer. Uh, I guess you can introduce yourself, Jing Tong. Uh, yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Jing Tong, and uh, I am a Dennis Twitter mutual. So I'm also really, really excited to finally speak with you, and as well as uh, to all the people listening to this podcast. Well, this is my first time ever being on the podcast, so I might sound a little bit nervous, but I hope that yeah, I will speak some interesting things. Yeah, no, for sure. For <laughs> that sure. will be all. Yeah, do you mind just uh, explaining to everyone like what you kind of uh, do in the industry, just so they have an idea? Okay, yeah. Uh, so I work in a Chinese video games company that both develop games and publish games. Well, uh, I I mainly work in the publisher side of the company, uh, and we mainly publish uh, indie games. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, personally, I am a project manager of some of the uh, Chinese as well as international indie games. Uh, so basically, I ha- I handle everything from uh, community community management, um, marketing, and even some of the product uh, design parts. So I pretty much do everything to uh, have these games get released as soon as possible, as well as uh, make these uh, games as good as they can be. Okay, that's really interesting. That sounds like three jobs to me because community <laughs> management alone is. <laughs> yes, it's very crazy. Um, and how how are you finding it so far? Like, is there, um, yeah, like how like how what's it like so far? Uh, well, to be honest, I'm kind of new in the in the industry. Uh, I would say that maybe I've only worked on a handful of games so far. Um, and to be honest, it has. It has been pretty challenging because uh, the, the nature of my job uh, determines that uh, I need to work on many different games at the same time. And so sometimes it can be really, really overwhelming. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it is a fun job because I get to work with really creative and uh, fun people. Hmm, that's interesting. So like from what I am pretty clueless when it comes to publishing, I just have a vague idea of what it is. Um, mm-hmm. If you're working with the publishers and say the game makers, uh, like publishing to me is just and marketing seems very. I know it's a broad brush to paint, but it seems very uh, by the numbers. Like we need to meet this target and meet this date, and some creatives can be. Uh, they don't really adhere to those kinds of things. So how do you balance uh, yeah. that? Uh, well, I would say that maybe working in indie games publishing is a little bit different from, uh, for example, if you work in a, a free-to-play games publishing, uh, because the people, the projects that we work on are usually really, really unique. So uh, we normally do not have a very specific uh, target in terms of sales or uh, exposure. Uh, so what we want to do is usually to uh, reach the best performance uh, based on the game, if that makes sense. 
and it is true that it can be pretty uh, sometimes kind of tricky to work with indie developers because people who work in work as indie game developers are usually kind of like unique people if you understand um, yeah they're creative kind of like artists yeah 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 so um sometimes it's a little bit difficult to speak to them about the more realistic or the more mundane parts of you know the video game industry and actually i just wanted to find out like like we were talking earlier how you mentioned that um i guess gaming is is so part of the culture in china that even the word for gamer doesn't necessarily exist so like does that mean yeah, that yeah. the market for indie games is so large like most games can be successful oh that's a very good question uh, so i would say that uh, compared with other markets in the world to make a game in china is uh, and want, wanting it to be successful is uh, easier <laughs> um, particularly for for people who want to make commercial games uh, which is usually either mobile games or you know uh, free to play computer games and uh, a lot of the most popular gachas such as Genshin Impact and Arcanites for example are made in China and they're actually made by companies that uh, are like one kilometer from where I am now. What uh, really cool. <laughs> I'm trying to say is that, yeah, yeah, I live really next to like the core of video game development in my city, which is Shanghai. Um, and because Chinese people um, are, are more used to not, not paying for, um, I, I wouldn't say not paying for games, but not, not buying games. They, they're very, the, they're very the, used the to playing entry. free games. Point of entry uh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. usually uh, low. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And um, but they also tend to spend a little. Or okay, I, I would try to say this in like a more simple way. Uh, so Chinese people prefer free games, but most indie games cost money. So for them to uh, there's no point in buying games because they're like free games for them to play everywhere. Nice. So I would say that's actually more difficult for indie games to succeed okay, uh, in general. Yes, that makes sense. So I guess like the um, I'm assuming the biggest market um, there is mobile, right? Like mobile games. Yes, yes. So does that mean like most of the indie games would target that like that specific platform? And would they would it be advisable, say, if I was a a, a publisher, a small publisher to say okay make your indie mm -hmm. game but make it like uh, what Nintendo were doing what are they calling it free to start <laughs> I would say that compared to the rest of the world uh, indie game developers in China are definitely uh, working harder on porting their games to mobile because I know that a lot of the the very successful indie, indie or uh, uh, 2A, 2A games in the West, they don't, they, they would, only very few of them would uh, consider porting their games to mobile. Um, but in China, if you release your game on computer, for example, if you release your game on Steam, and uh, it's, it's a very good chance that they will try to work on a, a mobile publishing later. Of course, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but a very big issue is that um, in in China, video games need to have a license to be legally published, and the policy on mobile gaming is it's much tighter than computer games. And that is partially because that uh, Steam doesn't really adhere to Chinese policy because it's regarded like an international platform. It, it's kind of like a gray area in the policies. But okay. all the mobile game platforms are regulated by the government to some point. So in that aspect, it's actually harder for indie game or smaller developers to get the get the games on uh, mobile. That's that's interesting. Um, I. I I read I can't recall I remember hearing this long. Steam is like co co partnered with another company in China, right? Like is yeah. it is it it's also yeah. called Steam in China, right? Like, uh, well, the uh, Steam is partnered with a company called Perfect World, and they pretty much launched like a Chinese version of Steam in China. Which is called Steam China. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. It's very, very simple and direct. Um, but as a matter of fact, very few games actually get launched on that platform, because uh, if you want to launch a game on Steam China, you need to get a license. Uh, but most most games, um, yeah, most games, particularly non-Chinese games, mm. it's very unlikely for these games to get a license because obviously you need to goes through a very long and bureaucratic process. Uh, wow. So as of now, if I remember it right, there are only maybe a little bit over 100 or even fewer than 100 games that are actually on Steam China. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> that is way less than I expected. Considering like the, the numbers, I'm assuming should be like, quite large like for pc gamers like i play i play dota 2 a lot and mm-hmm. like the best players like even at the pro level most of the best players are like chinese so like i know that pc gaming uh market there is pretty uh big um is there i, I want to know basically like what the general gaming culture is like right like uh what was it like growing up how did you get into games? How do most kids get into games there? What do they play? Uh, okay. And um, this can be a little bit of a difficult question for me <laughs> for some reason. Uh, yeah, I will try to put it all together. Uh, so first of all, I guess I can be classified as Gen Z. I'm not, I'm not uh, quite sure of the definition, but yeah. yeah. Uh, I was born in 96, so uh, yeah, by some people's definition, that, that may be Gen Z, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, when I grew up, I mostly played uh, Chinese MM- MMORPGs, which were mostly free to play. And in addition to that, I guess I also played a lot of Flash flash games, you know, the kind of games that you, you play on webs- uh, some of the shady websites. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Besides, I also had a really big um, interest in uh, PC games, such as like uh, Command Command of Conquer mm-hmm. or what it, what it's called, yeah, and uh, Warcraft Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the old school RTS. Yeah. Uh, but 
But the thing is that playing these Western or like non-Chinese PC games is pretty difficult. So、uh, we only the pirated version were available to us. So it was, it was really really natural for people to to play pirated games. And I did not start to buy.、Uh, Real games, which which are not pirated until like、uh, 2015 or so. Wow! So you can get a feel of how yeah pirated games were huge in the country. So basically, it's actually、like、very similar to the situation we have here, where oh,、uh, like for the most part, almost everyone their gateway into gaming. In Zambia was with pirated games,、mm. pirated <laughs> or bootleg games. So, so like, and then after that, when you grow up, then maybe you start buying your own games. Even then, that's kind of rare. But yeah, for the most part, I, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah,、uh, I heard that. That's the similar case in many.、Um, Eastern European countries as well, so I would assume that except the so-called first world com- countries, pirated games is pretty normal or standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even in South America, like I have a I have a mutual in South America who who told me like like a similar story. I guess it's a it's a thing of where、um, I don't know access is just a a problem that、uh, we just don't have access. To these、uh, games, like they're not easily available, so the the best or the easiest thing you can do is is pirate them. <laughs> uh, like even most of the、yeah. the、um, the Nintendo knockoff consoles, like we had we had knockoff consoles mostly. Like I was lucky、mm-hmm. enough to have an original one because like my dad was a nerd, but like it, it was very common to see knockoff、um, uh, Nintendo. Consoles, and that's how I, most people my generation got into gaming. Ah,、uh, yeah, that's also kind of familiar in my country as well.、Uh, I heard of a lot of knockoff consoles、uh, because I'm not a console gamer, so I, I really can't remember the names.、Mm-hmm. But yeah, I、um, buying consoles is is very much a luxury here.、Um, I think the people who I know had legit consoles were usually from like pretty、um, well-off families,、mm. um, and I didn't really have any console before Ninte- before buying a Nintendo Switch like two years ago. <laughs> so,、um, and I still don't have any anything、uh, PlayStation relate related. So. That's that's very、uh, interesting. So, like, what's it like、um, now? Like, with obviously, like, there's a shortage with the PS5 and Xbox、uh, Series X. But are those like, is it getting more common now? Are people are people、uh, buying the consoles more now?、Uh, yeah, I would say that、uh, since since the rise of Nintendo Switch,、uh, consoles has been much much more common in the country.、Uh, I think I read some kind of data somewhere that、um, Nintendo Switch actually reached 10 million or more sales in in China alone. So that's、uh, crazy. Yeah, that's really really crazy considering how rare consoles were while I grew up.、Uh, but in addition to that, there was also a huge factor of、uh, policies because 
I think that in 2005 or something,、uh, the Chinese government actually banned the sales of con- all consoles. So for and that ban wasn't lifted until a, a couple of years ago. So f- I think for over a decade, there weren't no、um, legal distributors of consoles in the country, but、uh, still it was. Somewhat easy to get imported console, but to think that there was actually like no real shops selling these consoles is still kind of、uh, shocking to me today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think there's something interesting、uh, you said there about the Nintendo Switch really growing and you know, the console policies relaxing. So for you. As a publisher,、uh, are you sort of like seeing、uh, an increase in the number of、uh, devs, your games you're working on, which are also targeting Nintendo Switch nowadays compared to like before? Ah,、uh, yeah.、Uh, well, yeah. That that is a very good question. <laughs>、uh, well, my company is actually、um, is、uh, I would say that、uh, it already builds. A co- close relationship with Nintendo and brought some of our biggest、uh, indie games to in- Nintendo Switch.、Uh, I I would say that you probably haven't heard of the games that we work on, but still I'm going to drop a few names just to see if anyone knows.、Uh, so、uh, one of one of our biggest titles is called Mustache,、uh, which is like an anime. The,、oh, you know Mustache. The Hololive、oh, Rose played it. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Well, yeah,、uh, we published Mustache,、um, and、um, I think to until recently, Mustache has already reached、uh, over six million sales globally and on PC, mobile, and Nintendo Switch, and that was probably our most successful in- games of all time.、Um, And so, because of the success of Mustache and how <clears throat> the fact that it was fe- featured in, I-, I would say probably during one of Nintendo's、uh, indie games direct,、uh, more in- developers are requesting the games to be ported to Nintendo Switch.、Um, but to be fair,、uh, we don't really do that for every game because. Nintendo Switch is not really for、um, all types of games. So,、um, but for for the games that do fit the platform, we do try our best to、um, bring these games to to Nintendo. And we're also trying for more more exposure during some of the Nintendo's events.、Uh, I think recently you, we also announced、uh, Finding Paradise.、Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it was the sequel to to the moon. But yeah, well, I I I actually haven't personally played any of these games, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, yeah, gonna, not, it, yeah, it's gonna launch on Switch as well. Yeah, I played to the moon. One of one of my first indie games.、Uh, I know my friend Robin is gonna the other Robin. He's <laughs> probably gonna be like,、uh, you better shout me out. You're gonna talk about to the moon. Yeah, he's a big fan of that game. So. That was one of the first indie games I I played. I actually 
it's a Chinese game. I, I thought it was Western. I, I didn't know. It was. Oh no, it's not Chinese. It's not oh, Chinese. It's not, but oh, okay. um, I think the situation is that the game was self-published by the publisher who was uh, who is a Chinese American. But our company kind of like remade the game for him. Oh okay. Mm. Yeah yeah. <laughs> Something you mentioned, I guess, uh, is I guess really in, uh, enlighten, enlightening for me, like the fact that Muse Dash was at a at a a direct, and that really boosted its exposure and stuff like that. Do you think that um, um, uh, the Western media can do more to like talk more about? uh chinese games like i noticed even the like the, the biggest example obviously is wukong's command like it, it showed up and mm-hmm. it's arguably one of the biggest triple a games that is supposed to come out for ps5 but really looking forward to that game just because it's it, it was exposed through a twitter video and then everyone got a hold of it do you think there can be more of that if there was more exposure towards Chinese games, or does the Chinese publishing market just not really care or factor in the Western market? Um, uh, well, one of the blessings of Chinese games is that they do really have a much larger market than pretty much uh, anywhere else in the world. So usually Chinese developers always prioritize the Chinese market. Uh, including my own company <laughs> so um because we we understand the gamers here better you know we, we have better resources here uh and uh we usually have better support to get the games out there and know that a, a certain number of people would be would want to buy it uh but to to get western or international explosion exposure is kind of like uh it's almost like um it's something that everyone wants to get but don't know how if you know what i mean so everyone wants to get accepted by some of the mainstream video games media uh yeah you know the names for example um polygon pc gamer uh kotaku etc etc and we also try so hard to pitch our games to these major video game video game outlets but usually we we get really really um, cold feedback. Yeah, I would I would I would call it feedback cold. <laughs> um, well, I I really don't blame these outlets, but because I think that the majority of the Chinese games may have some kind of like high cultural barrier. So uh, I would say compared to Japanese games, for example, uh, because I. In general, Chinese games are made by made for Chinese people, yeah. so it's generally more uh, harder for people from the rest of the world to understand these games. Another huge factor is that Chinese games usually do not have very good localization support unless uh, these games are published by uh, professional publishers such as my company or uh, made by larger companies such as Tencent or Netties. Mm. Uh, for middle and small Chinese games, even if they do have a good localization, it's very common that they 
the localization、uh, are either really bad or even even the localization is good, they still don't get noticed by、uh, non-Chinese gamers.、Uh, it's something that's really complicated and hard to explain. But yeah, yeah,、uh, um, yeah no, I get it. Like as a as a Yakuza fan, I I know exactly、mm-hmm. what you mean. Where、um, Like that game was huge in Japan, huge, and like yeah, we heard about it, we knew about it. We had to wait years sometimes to get a localization、um, over here. Sometimes some games wouldn't even be localized at all, and the biggest thing was always, oh, the it's too ingrained in the culture. People won't get it, but somehow I feel like. That is kind of what will make, in, in what I think anyway. I think that the fact that it is so uniquely Chinese or whatever would make it really interesting because it would be so different, you know,、uh, than anything in the market. But I don't know. I guess it's just time will tell. Um.、Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say that for Japanese games like Yakuza.、Uh, Uh, the strength is that they built a cultural influence、uh, by video games or by、uh, manga or an anime、mm. uh, for decades. So people outside Japan, they don't really need to learn so many things to understand Yakuza. At least I assume so.、Mm. Um, but for Chinese games, because it's it's only starting to influence. Uh, it's only starting to develop an influence outside China, so、um, the cultural barrier is still pretty high. And some of the most successful Chinese indie games are so Chinese that they barely have any any influence outside of the country, even though they've sold millions here.、Uh, for example, there's a game called Cultivation Simulator.、Uh-huh. Um, It's probably one of the most Chinese games I know, and I know that the game sold at least half a million copies since its release. But the game is about cultivation, and cultivation is a concept that I don't even know how to explain without, you know,、uh, spending an entire day, you know, googling and <laughs> reading books. So, so I I understand. You know why? Why it really has any influence outside the country? Yeah, I'm going to try to explain cultivation in a couple of sentences. So, cultivation is where you become a god by by practicing, by by meditation, by practicing. You 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 become a god from a human. So that's that's cultivation. Okay, uh, okay. that's really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I get, I get what I think. I get what you're trying to say, but I also completely understand why that sort of thing. You know, it it definitely feels like a concept that is just completely separate from the sort of stuff which、uh, other countries are into. Yeah, so yeah, I, I definitely get your point. Well, I tried my best. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, yeah, like like Robin's right. Like that's really, oof, that's very very unique. Like, is that like a, like a, is that like a, a religious thing, a spiritual thing, or like, 
Uh, it's a bit like Chinese fantasy, I would say. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you if you read one of those swordsman novels, or you haven't, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's really really hard to explain. Um, uh, well, it's kind of like you uh, being an immortal. You have to do very difficult trials mm-hmm. to ascend. better yourself, ah, and yes. yeah, try and and eventually ascend. That's very interesting. So basically, it feels like <laughs> the the missing link is like that first big, you know, because like you said, it's fantasy, right? So like, um, the the European cultures have exported their fantasy stories of elves and dwarves and stuff like that yeah. so we are aware of it so when they make a game like i don't know the witcher we understand yeah. those things um and like you said with the pop culture of japan same like we watched movies with yakuza in them and stuff like that so we understand that Anime concept yeah so but like i guess um chinese pop culture hasn't really been exported well enough for us to understand a game about cultivation <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah what you said was very very right <laughs> i mean hopefully yeah, like clear. the movies because i know like the, the the movie industry there is growing and doing quite well even internationally so hopefully like maybe that will help bridge the gap maybe there'll be one game I, i'm hoping it's a game that bridges that gap and becomes so huge and i guess opens that that market uh, uh, and and we can get more games because I want to play more games from from different <laughs> cultures and different because that sounds like a cool idea I want to play that <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I think the game has been localized into English at least uh, but yeah I, I definitely agree with what you say but also I would really want to play you know not just I, I would not I not only want to see Chinese game getting big outside outside China, but also want to, you know, see uh, many other different countries, you know, uh, creating some of the more unique games, you know, other than elves and dwarves mm. <laughs> and such. Very true. Very true. Okay, so um, I guess another question I would like to ask is, what games, what international games? Would you say have made a big impact um, in China? Like what? What? Yeah. Like what international games? These uh, that I guess are popular internationally are also popular in China. Uh, yeah, I I don't really feel a huge difference from the popular games outside and inside China. Uh, for example, we were talking about Nintendo Switch and. The, the, the biggest in Nintendo Switch games are also extremely well known in the mm. country, such as uh, Animal Crossing, uh, Legend of Zelda, and um, what is the game where you work out? <laughs> the, the ring, the ring. Oh, game. Ring Fit. Yeah. yeah, Ring Fit, Ring Fit. Uh, and these these games, I would say that probably Ring Fit and Animal Crossing. Uh, these two games might be. The reason why uh, the sales of Nintendo Switch is so high in China, and uh, in addition to Nintendo Switch, uh, Nintendo games, uh, the usual international blockbusters are also really, really well known. 
for example, cyberpunk. I think that for for the Chinese market, uh, CD Projekt Red, I think they kind of like launched a branch office in Shanghai uh, just to market its own game. Wow. And (laughs) yeah, yes, because it's such a huge market, right? Uh, And the game did sell very well in China. Uh, And uh, very interestingly, Ubisoft's games are, I would say, are generally like more well known in the in China than I would assume uh, as other non Chinese games, particularly particularly Assassin's Creed. Uh, for some reason, every every Chinese gamer I know played Assassin's Creed at some point. It's it really is a mystery to me. <laughs> I I don't really understand how it, it became that way, but. Uh, yeah, it's like a a, a gamer's must. Everyone must-. has played Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's you know that that's interesting. Assassin's Creed is really it's it, it's it's mass market everywhere. So I, I get I guess I wouldn't find it surprising that everyone's played Assassin's Creed. Uh, true, but compared with some other, for example, AAA games such as Halo or I don't know, you know, the Rockstar games. I will say that probably Assassin's Creed is better known than these games. That's so weird. Uh, what about like Skyrim? <laughs> you know, I feel like Skyrim. Oh, yeah, Skyrim is popular, but probably like only known to uh, the so-called core gamers. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who really ah, you right. know know the games. It hasn't uh, kind of like penetrated mass market one. Huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't really know any like weird and usual, unusually popular non-Chinese games for now. I wanted to ask, you know, Dennis asked, what are some Western, you know, international games that are popular in China? But like yourself, you know, what are some international games that you like? Oh, uh, thank you for asking such a, <laughs> it's just such an easy question. <laughs> Uh, I guess one of my favorite game is uh, Rise of the Nations, which is also like an old school RTS. But I like it so much that everyone sometimes, everyone some, every time some someone asks me this question, I, that is my first answer. <laughs> and yeah, in addition to that, I also really like The Witcher Two. Uh, please know that it's The Witcher Two. <laughs> uh, yeah, not not The Witcher Three. Well, I like The Witcher Three, but The Witcher, Witcher Two is my personal favorite. Um, and some other indie games such as um, RimWorld and I also really like Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, I, I, I in general I like I like the um, strategy strategy and RPG games. Yeah, I was gonna say those are very PC. Those are like PC yeah, yeah, gamer yeah. PC games. <laughs> Yeah, because I, you know, I only got my Nintendo Switch like two years ago, and I only bought like five to five to six games so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I also grew up on like obviously I had a, a Nintendo. That was my first console. But like mm-hmm. in my uh, pre-teens, teens era, like like you said, Warcraft three is Warcraft three, Warcraft two, the games I grew up playing. Warcraft three is the first game that I ever 
saw a trailer of on the internet on our dial-up oh. internet i waited for <laughs> an hour to see like a one minute trailer <laughs> of warcraft 3 oh. <laughs> i think that's one of my favorite experiences on the internet <laughs> oh that was so that was really real i i instantly got what you made <laughs> but it was supposed to right yeah yeah it was supposed to be uh speaking of just the, the um people of that what is the like obviously like mmos are big like was there like a period where like at at what point did uh, online gaming uh, become like so big there like well first of all yes the the market is very pc uh in addition to the console ban that we talked about earlier it's also the fact that uh pcs were also luxury I think in early 2000s. So uh, maybe you have heard of the cyber cafes. Yes. Uh, the Eastern yeah. Asian cyber cafes. Uh, yeah, that's a, that was a huge thing in China. Uh, so so young people, uh, for example, uh, teenagers, uh, they they really really love going to cyber cafes and just to play some games with their friends or alone. Uh, and many video games companies use the cyber cafe as like a major, a major target for their marketing. Uh, so a lot of the cyber cyber cafes held like events or uh, rewards for people for for gamers if they play their games. And um, because because the kids back then preferred going to cyber cafes with their friends so the uh, multiplayer games including competitive games and um, MMOs were much bigger than the usual you know single player PC games mm. and another factor was definitely definitely the price so the majority of the online games were free to play but uh, some of them operate on like a uh, like a monthly membership model. It's not really a membership. It's, it's pay, you pay for yeah. It's a subscription. You pay for how long you play. You you play. You pay for the time. Yeah, at least that that was how it was when I was like in elementary school. Uh, but afterwards, even these games were replaced by the free to play free to play games, uh, where people you know download these games for free and maybe pay for some other you know fancier outfits or fa fancier weapons uh, and to say uh, how it became so big I would say that back then the country was under a very huge influence from Korea uh, at least I would say half of the biggest online games the online MMOs were actually Korean games but I know that today people a lot of people still play is for example um black desert yes. uh, back then um there were many more korean mmos um i i can't really remember if i played any but the the model like the whole gameplay model the design you know the the commercial model were were usually copied from korean games hmm. Hmm. makes sense makes sense and uh, just uh, to pivot off that again, 
has the success of Genshin Impact like caused the, an effect in the industry there at all? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Genshin Impact, I would call it a game changer for Chinese games. It's it, it's hugely successful. It's also hugely controversial. I'm not quite sure whether you feel the controversy outside of China, but here, Genshin Impact is the most fought over games of all time. I would say, well, for gamers, that is m- mostly because that Genshin Impact learns some learns some key aspects from many JRPGs. Uh, you know, such as Legend of Zelda or Final Fantasy, blah mm. blah blah. Uh, but for for the industry, um, it was mo- it was more like a challenge because before Mihoyo released Genshin Impact, I don't think any company would actually imagine that uh, a small to middle company like Mihoyo could make a game that that is so tech. Um, technically superior if you know what i mean yeah yeah um yeah 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 some of the technologies it's just hard to imagine it's like um really really i would call it next gen but in in like a um mobile gaming sense not the console sense yeah yeah uh so after the success of genshin impact a lot of the competitive um the competing companies began to develop um, like Genshin ripoffs. I wouldn't necessarily call them ripoffs but because they usually just uh, take some inspiration from Genshin, such as, you know, open world, mm. um, you know, the anime aesthetics. But so far, there hasn't been any game that, you know, realized half of what Genshin has reached because I I live literally next door to Mihoyo. <laughs> so every time every time someone speaks of Genshin, especially if you, if you, if you are from like other countries, it makes me feel really really surreal because it, it's literally like just the company next, next door. door. <laughs> yeah. It's really like caught mass even here. It's crazy. A lot of people. Like just how many people really just jumped onto it, even from pre-release, the hype and all that stuff. And a lot of people show it as good, call it as an example of, you know, what happens if you successfully manage to get, you know, the likes of the Polygons and uh, Kotaku's, IGN's and all those. If you get them to cover your game, that's what happened. A lot of people cite Genshin and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, an example. Yeah, yeah, but um, well, uh, I, I guess that that is not only um, made possible by the quality of the game, but also by the fact that Mehoyo is actually a really, really rich company. <laughs> they they made so much money from their previous game. It's one of the most profitable Honkai. games ever made. Uh, the Honkai Impact. Mm. I played that game for a long time. My, and it's it's been released for what six six years already, and still there hasn't been any uh, good competitors that came out after that. Um, 
So, well, I personally know that、uh, Mihoyo re- really does have a lot of money, and they invested so much in global marketing, and I'm happy that it paid off. You know,、uh, in China, they bought off every single ad banner that you can think of in every major video game website. Wow! So imagine, <laughs> yeah, imagine just going. Everywhere and seeing seeing the ads, that is just really really crazy. And I haven't seen any any other game done that before, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's actually really crazy.、Um, yeah, I was also very surprised with how big Genshin Impact got. Just even here in Zambia, like the amount of gamers I personally know who、mm-hmm. play Genshin constantly is it's, it's surprising to me, to be honest. I think the model of console and mobile crossplay, I think, was A very、mm-hmm. good idea. I think that's like some of the people I know play on both. Like they'll play on their console and then they'll whip out their phone at school or at work or whatever. So I think that was a really、uh, clever move、uh, by Mihoyo to do that. And I also think the anime aesthetic thing、uh, worked.、Um, but, uh, I, maybe Robin would disagree, but I don't think there's many <laughs> anime games that are like. Proper, proper quality, you know. Yeah, Except yeah, maybe、I、the tales games, maybe. Um. Well, Mihoyo is really specialized in making anime games. Well, they, that's their single focus. Every single game they made was anime, and I think that they're very one of the very few companies. In China and maybe in the world, that actually gets what it means to be anime. <laughs>、uh, I'm pretty sure there's another better word for it, but、mm. I think you can get my point. Yeah, right. Yeah,、mm-hmm. they do anime and they do it. You know, it looks good. You said earlier the the technical aspect is like really crazy for that sort of developer, and then they hit so many platforms.、Uh, the PlayStation. They get PlayStation marketing for them. I heard like recently they're going to get like a crossover with one of PlayStation's biggest IPs,、oh, that yeah, sort of、yeah. stuff. So, and then of course, in addition to mobile, PC, next they want to launch on Nintendo Switch. It's like they'll just be everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I really like I like the success of Genshin Impact. It's really, really in- inspiring. But before Genshin Impact. Got released.、Um, it was actually heavily criticized within China's video game industry because a lot of the industry professional think that、uh, Genshin steals from other games because you know some of the aesthetics may- remind you of、uh, Breath of the Wind, and that that is not a secret, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Ch- Chinese people really are really sensitive about. Uh, the idea of uh, originality, mm-hmm. uh, because Chinese people used used to have a really bad name in terms of like, you know, stealing stealing IPs or you know,、uh, creating ripoff project ripoff products. So, I, I guess it's like a bad look for such a big video game to you know d- directly copy from other games. But that was how it was before Genshin was released. But after its release and after you know it's proven to be successful after so many months, 
uh, the industry has generally turned around its attitude. So now there are definitely more studios and definitely more companies that are trying to learn from Genshin than trying to, you know, say how bad it is. That's that's really interesting. I've actually never heard that before. But like what you're saying is true. That stigma or stereotype that, uh, you know, like Chinese development in all trade areas, I guess, is based off of like ripping off IP. Like that's something that I guess exists in culture, which is probably unfair in this day and age. <laughs> so I can see how that uh, would have been a bad thing. Do you think that affects like indie devs? That they try their best to make things as wildly different as possible because of that. Um, I would say that uh, the indie devs I know do not really have that much of a conscious conscious thing when they create creative games uh well actually many of them um i would say that probably all of the indie games of today uh are, are being influenced by games that are not chinese and they're not really you know ashamed or uh hiding hiding the fact that uh they're being influenced by games from other countries um, but as a matter of fact the games that I work with and the games that I play uh, are indeed really really different from games made in the rest of the world uh, I would still tend to say that it's a cultural thing than you know a conscious attempt by developers trying to be different um, because there's so many stories and so many scenes that are still um, unexplored or under underexplored by Western developers or Ch- Japanese developers. That's there's something my- I wanted to add. There's something which I took note of. Uh, you mentioned uh, about like you said part of what made people come around to uh, Genshin's reception was not only it being successful, but it maintaining its success over multiple months. Yes. So that means that like you're staying popular, recurring revenue and all that stuff. So I wanted a bit of like uh, insight, you know, those types of games, uh, mm, uh, games as service, free-to-play games and all that stuff, mm-hmm. among certain gaming communities, a lot of the core gaming communities, which I myself am part of, uh, mm-hmm. those types of games are not the most popular. Most people, what they like uh, are kind of like, you know, single-player, one-and-done games. Like, you just play it, and you play it once and that's it. Its popularity over multiple months is not really important. So I kind of want insight into like, what do you think are some of the Chinese games which follow that model? Since I know most Chinese games do actually follow the same uh, free to play model and all that stuff. Some of the games which, are, which follow the one and done single player style model that are like really big 
that I should also possibly look into and uh, and you know like how many uh, you do you deal with of that kind or is it mostly just uh, the what can I say the the service style model you know, those where you expect them to continue generating revenue after multiple months and all that oh, I see um, how do I say this <laughs> so if you know someone that works in a Chinese video game company and uh, 10 out of 10 his or her company makes those commercial free to get free to play games yeah. uh, so it's extremely rare for people to actually work on the traditional single player uh, single purchase game, uh, PC games well mostly uh, so including my company my, my company um, I think my company currently has 2,000 people uh, it's actually like a middle-sized video games company in Shanghai and I would say that 90% even more, I would say 90% of the people, uh, 95% of the people work on developing uh, the so-called free-to-play games. And only 5% or less are working on single-player, uh, single-purchase games. So I'm actually working with the niche, <laughs> the niche market. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very uh, realistic because in China, it's harder to generate revenue from these single-player games. So the majority, the majority yeah. of the companies are just investing all their resources into making commercial games. Um, as, but well, I I would say that I see some changes in terms of how how these things are in the country because right now some of the bigger companies are actually like also. And trying to trying to um, keep up with the so-called Western standard and um, build their own AAA studios. Uh, one of the recent examples might be uh, that that game called Naraka Blade Point, uh, which ah, is actually yes, developed. Yes. Yeah, it's de developed by a studio from NetEase, which is the second biggest video game company in China. Um, well, even... But obviously, for NetEase, it is only one studio, while they may have 20 or 30 studios working on 50 or 100 different <laughs> commercial games. Um, but but I do feel that more more companies, more industry professionals are, are um, trying not only trying, I would say, are starting to uh, kind of like um, changing their perspective and, you know, investing a little bit more in developing these kind of like niche games because uh, the taste and the, the requirements of consumers are also constantly changing. And because Chinese people are having a better access to international games, uh, including console and PC games, so right now it's actually much harder to please to to please the market than it was before. Uh, especially with the rise of really high quality commercial games and Genshin Impact, uh, even for commercial games, things are getting more and more competitive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do I do I answer it right? Yeah, 
I think I think I I, I get you. I understand. I guess we're running out of time, so I just wanted to close it out with some quick fire fun questions. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> what are you playing right now? I'm actually playing Mini Metro. It's it's tiny tiny indie game on Steam. It's like a puzzle puzzle game. Okay, is that, is that also a Chinese game? No, it's not a Chinese game. I'm not sure. Yeah, which is where it's from, but I would guess it's, it's European. And like when you're, like, what if, is it? Do you like get tired of like gaming and stuff if you're working in the industry? Like, yeah, do you still yeah, use yeah. gaming Extremely. as a? Do you still use gaming as a way to to relax, or it's too much like work? Wow, wow, this one really hurts. This one really, really hurts. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Yeah. Um, but well, the answer is no. Uh, and yeah, I, I get very, very tired of games after a long day at work. Um, so I try to use other ways of relaxation, like yeah, the the old school ones, like going to a sauna or you know, yeah, the spa or the massages <laughs> instead of playing video games. <laughs> and being around your job so much. Like it's so different, so it's like no, I don't want to have to do anything to do with it right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I get. It. Okay, okay, okay. One last thing. So earlier you said that sometimes uh, some of the indie devs you work with they uh, they don't understand some of the you know the logistics. You know, because they're like artists. So, how what what kind of approach do you usually take when you have to like communicate or deal with devs who are, you know, when you have a disagreement? Like, I'm, I'm sure disagreements happen all the time. Uh, oh yeah, like, that's that's true. Um, uh, I would say that I usually try to use some examples or some cases well one of the things that we work with is having to deal with censorship uh, because if you want to get a license that, that i mentioned earlier to publish your games in china uh, your games have to be approved by the government uh, which is an extremely annoying process uh, and after you get the license you can publish the game but still you can't really have any of the risky things in your game uh, otherwise your game might be dropped from the shops or uh, even worse uh, so to persuade my developer that they had to censor the game is pretty difficult for me but so I had to use some examples that show how serious this could be but yes speaking of this makes me kind of sad because I, I know that we might be the only country that has to have to do this. I, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, we didn't really speak of, speak about any of the censorship thing while we discussed today. But... <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe a little time maybe a little time I tried my best to dance around it 
<laughs> it's okay. I, I don't mind. I, I don't mind talking about it because I have so much to complain. <laughs> But again, it's going to make the podcast really boring. <laughs> I'm sure there's many yeah. many people who would be interested in that topic. But I, I think we can like discuss that uh, some other time, just so we don't yeah, have some other time. <laughs> too much of a long thing. I'm sure it's late in the night for you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. This was super, super insightful. I learned so much, and I know there's there's a lot more that uh, we can learn. I'm gonna try out some of those games, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna try out some of the games that you mentioned as well. I can't remember how I found you on Twitter. I think someone retweeted something you mentioned, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool." I don't know anything about Chinese indie games. Let me. Let me follow this person so I can get more insight into, <laughs> into Chinese indie games. Because like most of the games that I I like are indie games. Because I've been playing for so long, I I like. You get to the point where you want to start playing different stuff, you know. So like the cultivation mm-hmm. one you mentioned sounds so interesting to me. Like it's 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 different. I don't know if I'll like it, but it just sounds really different. I can't even imagine what gameplay is like. <laughs> So, so yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, the the gameplay is kind of like RimWorld, but like oh. Ch- RimWorld with Chinese char- Chinese characteristics. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, definitely. I'll definitely check it out. All right. Thank you for so much for coming. Um, I hope you had fun. I had fun. And uh, um, yeah, I've learned a lot. Thank, thank you, Dennis, for inviting me. This is my first podcast ever, so uh, yeah, this is a very fun experience for me, and I also learned a lot from speaking with you. <laughs> so yes, no, yeah, I really look forward to yeah speaking with you in the future, if possible. For sure, for sure. Is there anything that you like to plug, or would that like? I know you mentioned you didn't really want to mention where you work, so I guess mentioning that might. <laughs> do that well, i guess you could say like your twitter or something oh yeah yeah hello there if you want to learn more about chinese indie games you can follow me on twitter and my twitter handle is uh zogju which is z-o-g-z-h-u but yeah even if you don't follow me please make sure to play indie games from all over the world and you know support indie game developers uh thank you have a nice day <laughs> <laughs>